Hey everybody, welcome to Pit Stops to Podium, the Red Partners podcast where we talk to execs who've competed and won, taking their companies from high growth to high scale. My name is Brendan Tellison. I am the co-founder and CEO of Red Partners, and I'm delighted to have with me today, Robin Gregg for this edition of Pit Stops to Podium. Welcome, Robin. Hi, nice. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Robin, well, I've been excited about this episode. Um, as I mentioned to you in prep, I've, I followed your company from afar and watched uh, your progression, which has been really fun to see. Um, so for this audience, uh, Robin serves as the CEO of RoadSync. Um, but Robin, I'd love for you to give a little bit of background on who you are for our audience and also what RoadSync does. Yeah, so I personally am a longtime payments person. I spent over 15 years in payments, both on the consumer side as well as uh, commercial with companies like Capital One and Fleet Corps. Um, and you know, most recently, since 2017, I've been running RoadSync, which is a platform for the transportation industry to easily um, digitally accept payments and, and through uh you know, basically anywhere where truckers need to pay or get paid. Um, and then what we're really doing is taking, uh, making more efficient a market that is very much paper-based in their financial transactions. Um, it's a massive industry, $800 billion industry. And we think there's a massive opportunity to create a vertically specific payment platform that really powers these financial transactions and make it more efficient for everyone. That's great. I can only imagine during COVID and what's been going on in the trucking industry in the news, it's, it's probably a very interesting time uh, for, for what you do. It, it definitely is. I mean, it was definitely chaotic, especially at the beginning of COVID as they sort of grappled with things. But, um, you know, the, the industry's booming and they are looking for ways to make their drivers and their, uh, you know, locations more efficient. And so, you know, we are very timely in that way. Well, that's great. Well, uh, Rob, before we get into our big idea, we have a tradition here at Pit Stops at Podium, and it's to get to know our guests outside of work. Um, so you have an impressive background, um, but what are what are three fun facts our audience should know about you outside of work? Sure. Yeah. Um, the first one is I grew up in Martinsburg, West Virginia, um, about 20 minutes outside of the Harpers Ferry, West Virginia, which is the midpoint of the Appalachian Trail. My dad spent his entire career acquiring land for the Appalachian Trail. So I grew up within a hiking family. So it's a beautiful place to grow up. Um, the second fun fact is I was a Japanese major in college. I went to Washington wow. University and I was a Japanese and econ double major. So that was sort of a, a fun. That uh, is different. It is different. Yeah. Uh, I have not used it at all. And I probably can speak like, you know, 10 words max, but you know, Hey, I, it was fun to study. Um, and then I think the last one is, um, I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a skier. I actually learned to ski, um, in my late twenties. Uh, I had a ex-boyfriend who taught me and I kept the sport, but not the, uh, not the boyfriend and, uh, really like to spend as much time as I can out West, um, you know, skiing with my kids. I have two kids that ages, um, nine and 14, and they're a lot of fun to ski with. That's great. What's your favorite ski resort? We usually go to Breckenridge cause okay. it's pretty easy and convenient, but, um, you know, also spend time out in Beaver Creek and um, other places like that. Okay, so when you know when you don't see Robin at Road Sing, she's outdoors, likely skiing, um, mm -hmm. and maybe practicing her Japanese. We'll we'll find out. So, um, <laughs> Robin, let's transition to the big idea. Uh, as you mentioned, you know, you're serving a kind of a, a non 
a non-tech market and a massive market, an 800 I think it was an $800 billion market right. you just described yep. earlier. Yep. So I think what will be helpful, you know, based on your perspective and experience, um, is really how to sell into these non-tech verticals. So, you know, B2B SaaS or technology always is kind of the buzz, uh, but there is these huge markets, as you just described earlier, uh, where people can win just as much, if not bigger. And so I think it's helpful for our audience to understand what that looks like, um, because it's it's a different motion. Um, and so I think there's some really good practical insights that our audience can, can understand. So before we talk into the way in which you, you know, sell, you market and you build partnerships, let's kind of set the context and, and the framework as it relates to how you think about these markets. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I got exposure to this um, when I was working at Fleet Corps. So Fleet Corps sells a fuel card product into mainly blue collar verticals, any businesses that have commercial fleets. And so that's like things like construction, plumbers and transportation, which is my current market. And what I learned about those sorts of markets is that they're pretty underserved in terms of the financial products and even the software that's being offered to them. And they themselves are maybe not operating in a very digital way. They may be um, conducting a lot of their business through, you know, basic spreadsheets or paperwork, clipboards, and, you know, scheduling work, reaching their employees, managing day-to-day -day tactics over the phone. And that's just how they do their business. And so when you think about offering them a, a new solution, even if it's a digitally focused solution like what we have, you really have to understand how they conduct their day-to-day business lives. Where are they? I mean, what's interesting about transportation and also the verticals I was serving at Fleet Corps is, you know, they're out in the field. Like these folks are not sitting in an office behind a desk all day long. They are under a truck repairing it. They are in a truck driving to a delivery. Like they are out working. And so, you know, thinking that you're going to reach them and that they're spending hours a day in front of email or they're going to be Googling stuff during the business hours is just not really how they operate. And so you have to really understand where they are, how they conduct their business lives and, you know, reach them in channels where they're comfortable and they are readily available. Yeah, that context is super valuable because it's going to inform how you actually engage. Um, and if you rely on some of the tactics you just described of you know, traditional prospecting, it's, it's probably not going to be a very successful return on your investment. Um, right. So with that knowledge, Robin, let's talk a little bit about your go-to-market motions. And let's start with sales. Now, how does that impact um, how your team sells to this audience? Yeah. So because we understood that our market is on the phone and accessible over the phone, we have a very, very heavy outbound sales focus, which, you know, if you, you talk to other venture backed software companies or payments companies, you know, isn't the, the sexiest approach, um, but it's honestly for us the most effective. So we have a pretty massive BDR team and account executive team um, out there calling folks. And that's really most of our customers that are the initial contacts will be through a, an outbound sales touch. Um, and so, you know, that just sort of reflects where we are and how our customers can be reached. Um, we also do a lot of follow-up not just through email, but also through texting, because that's also where yeah. customers are, obviously with their permission, but you know, it's just a different sort of follow-up and tactic. I mean, just sometimes it's easier to get these folks on the phone uh, because they might have a few minutes between jobs and it is going to be to get them to respond to you in some written form like email. Um, so that's been really important for us. We actually have a very large outbound uh, telesales team, um, both our BDR and AE teams, and that's been a huge investment for us in trying to make them as productive as possible. 
this is more of a side note, but as it relates to like talent acquisition for a BDR, as you just described, mm -hmm. because it's more telesales, is that, how does that inform how you hire? I mean, is that something that you have to um, change your job description or like expectations? I, I'd be curious just to talk about that real quickly. Yeah, I mean, it's been important for us to find people who have sold into similar types of verticals um, that's been pretty call intensive mm -hmm. versus people who are doing spending a lot of their time doing research because it's not the type of thing where you're like, oh, I'm going to research the VPs of marketing <laughs> because I have a CRM system and I yep. could spend half my day doing that. Like it's not, it's not that at all. And so um, we actually get a lot of our reps will come from other SMB software platforms because that has a similar sales motion or, um, you know, even like service industries, like it, it sometimes training people fresh is a little bit better. And, um, you know, they might understand sort of the dynamic in the industry. They just, I think the main thing for us has been, they need to understand that their job is phone centric, um, which is not the same as a lot of uh, BDR programs. No, it's not, but I think it's, it's good to understand. I mean, to your point, if you want somebody to be successful, it's important to know how to reach the persona. And so it's, to your point, it's more phone centric than email centric. Let's, let's transition into the marketing side. So we talked a little bit about the di distinction on the sales aspect. How does that inform your marketing tactics? Yeah. Um, so the, the, you know, traditionally people would do a lot of paid search and, you know, we have tested having people, you know, buying words like payment platforms for the logistics industry and things like that. But this, uh, this is not an audience that is Googling things or necessarily looking for these solutions online. And so what we found is that's not a really great tactic for us. Um, just like, you know, email is just okay. It's not as, as great as it would be for, for some other solutions. And so we've had to be kind of creative. These folks are digital. They're just not digital in the way that other software or platform customers might be. So uh, one of the things that we've been focused on is we've discovered that our customers do spend a lot of time consuming content, content on how to run their businesses, content on how to learn about best practices. These are folks that are on YouTube watching videos about, you know, how to optimize loads as a trucker or how to run their repair shop or to learn a repair. Um, they might be on Reddit um, looking for information about, you know, good people and, and shippers and brokers to work for. Um, and so as we thought about our strategies, we've really been more content focused and a little bit less uh, sort of paid search and sort of more traditional digital marketing focused because they are digital, but they just are in slightly different places and are more content consumers than anything else to us digitally. Yeah, I like what you you described being creative. It's the whole kind of concept: one size doesn't fit all, and it's not that the the approach is wrong. It's just how do you execute it. And so this gets back to you know, where they consume information. And so while it might it may not be Google Ads or Google Search, but right. the YouTube aspect, which I never would have thought of, um, yeah. that makes a lot of sense. And and as you as you describe it. Yeah. And it's honestly, it's a lot of fun. Um, so, you know, definitely, uh, definitely check out some of the, the YouTube trucking influencers. They, they actually are producing some great content and it's um, very engaging. Yeah. As I say, your fun fact should have been something about your browser history and what you've learned about uh, trucking through yeah, YouTube so videos. I will tell you my YouTube algorithm is really, really confused <laughs> about what content I like. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ron, let's, let's transition into the last aspect of a go-to-market motion. So we talked about sales, we talked about marketing, 
And then one of my favorite uh, go-to-mark motions is, is the partnership side. So how has this creative idea, not creative idea, how do you be creative as it relates to going after partners? Yeah, so I mean, I think first of all, um, this this ecosystem has a lot of legacy software solutions and legacy service providers. And so we've found, and they have reach and an installed base. And so that was really what made us interested in pursuing partnerships. We anticipate this to be a meaningful piece of our distribution strategy over the next two years and are already building towards that. Um, and so we had to look at what are the main things that people are using that are adjacent to our, our solution and adjacent to payments. And it's a pretty long list of stuff. So we've had to be creative about how we integrate with partners, um, what the value prop is to partners, how we can make their products stickier. Um, but it's, it's an important thing because these folks are already people who have a lot of trust. Um, back to our earlier two points, this customer base isn't rummaging around looking for new technology solutions on a regular basis. So they're pretty loyal when they get something. And so to the extent that we can piggyback on things they're already using, um, it's a pretty strong strategy for us in terms of acquisition and retention for customers. Um, so we spend a lot of time there. Um, we're partnering with everything from the legacy um, fuel card payment solutions in the market, including the one that I used to work for called Fleet Core, to um, you know, various different uh, management systems like uh, ERP systems for, uh, you know, heavy truck repair merchants, uh, you know, dock scheduling solutions. I mean, this, they, there, I can't even, there's a very long list of types of technology that people are using to run these businesses that we've been, have been available to partner with. Um, we do think it's important that we knew how to directly sell our product first before we approach partners. So I, you know, we've had many years of direct sales under our belt before we're approaching people and we, we know how to work with them on selling the product themselves, which I think is pretty important. Um, I think it's always a mistake when people try to get partners to sell something that they're not great at selling at themselves. I wholeheartedly agree with that. So when you, just to clarify something, you want to make sure your team knows how to sell before they try to right. teach someone else how to sell it. So are you, I'd just be curious as we talk about partnerships, are you, is the, is the way you built your partnership model, are your partners reselling it or are you asking them to refer you into the customer base so that you can sell it? We're doing both. It, it really depends on on the partner. Um, you know, our early partners, we slightly refer, we prefer to, um, we prefer to, to be referred um, because we want to have more control over the sales process. But um, we, we do have some white label, uh, white labeling that we're also going to do. Um, we really like that when it's deeply in integrated into the product. Um, and can, it could kind of be, you know, we're basically lighting up a new feature, which you can actually easily do with payments, especially if it's very adjacent with mm -hmm. something like an invoicing solution. Um, so we're open to doing both. Um, but for the most part, um, our most of our early partnerships have been referral. Got it. Okay. I think it makes sense. It's kind of that crawl, walk, run approach where to your point, you need to know, how, as you think about how your evolution, you need to be able to sell it before you can expect to try and get other people to sell it. But before they can sell it, they probably need to learn from you. So uh, I think that that motion makes a lot of sense. Um, well, Robin, this has been extremely informative for me. I'm sure for our audience too, um, it's been a helpful guide as it relates to how to sell into non-tech verticals, uh, having that necessary context to then inform your go-to-market motion from a sales, marketing, and partnerships perspective. Um, if our audience wants to connect or engage with you, what are some practical next steps they can take? 
Yeah. Well, first of all, I'd like the audience to know that we are hiring a ton. Um, RoadSync raised, we raised our Series B last year and have been dramatically scaling our sales and product organizations. And so if folks are looking for new roles, definitely check us out at RoadSync.com. We have a pretty extensive careers page. Um, You know, engaging with me uh, personally, I'm on LinkedIn and would love to hear from folks and would love to hear folks' ideas uh, about the content today. And you know, just interest in the business. So I really appreciate the time. Absolutely. Well, Robin, thanks for stopping by. We'll be sure when this goes live to in the comments of the social section to put uh, the careers page. So anybody that enjoys telesales, uh, be sure to sign up in addition to other aspects of sales and marketing and partnerships. So Robin, thanks so much. We really do appreciate your time. Great.